Welcome back to another episode of the 704 Cast. Uh, you know something special happened today if all three of us are here. So, as news has already broke today, Matt Rule is no longer the coach of the Carolina Panthers. This is where I would enter, enter, enter some celebration, some nice sound effects, uh, but we're not going to go through a bunch of uh, production on this. I'm going to turn it over here in just a second because Corey is back with us and Wes, who has had some thoughts for a few weeks now. Mainly, I'm just going to let these guys rant for about five minutes before I hop in here, but uh, just of it, Steve Wilkes is interim head coach. Matt Rule and Phil Snow both have been told to kick rock. Steve Wilkes handed Phil Snow his pink slip today. Fellas, I'm going to turn it over to you guys and just let you have at it. Go ahead, Corey. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to start by saying, you know, it's really, really good to be back on. Um, coaching youth football is a kind of a love-hate relationship sometimes because it does take all of my time in season. But, you know, we're done for the fall, so uh, I'm here for the foreseeable future. And uh, I can't begin to say what a relief it was when I got it from Matt, the notification. And um, I, I honestly had convinced myself that it wasn't going to happen anytime soon. And so when it happened today, for the first time in a long time, I felt a sense of relief about the Panthers uh, and, and the future um, without rule. Um, that being said, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to unpack, not only with rule, but with Tepper um, and I don't think anything else other than uh, uh, it's a celebration. It's a celebratory day for me. Um, the rule tenure is over uh, and we can focus on making the right, hopefully higher going forward and doing this thing the right way this time uh, and not having some jackass college coach tell, you know, guys, their arms are too short or, um, that they have to run to a, a DBO sign. So um, fantastic freaking day for Panther Nation. Um, I'm super stoked, super happy. A year too late, but hey, I'll take it. It happened. So, um, yeah, what what Corey said, I echo every bit of it. This is the most optimism that I've had as a Panthers fan since uh, sitting on draft night a year and a half ago, thinking that uh, we were going to be drafting our quarterback of the future. That's, that was the mm-hmm. last time I had real optimism. Uh, love JC, but I'll still forever think that uh, the quarterback should have been the pick there, but neither here nor there on that one. This is about the fact that Matt rule is gone. Uh, we've, Basically, since the podcast started, my hate for that man has been well known. He's not a good coach, not a good NFL coach. Uh, Remains to be seen if he's even a good college coach. Uh, In six years, he had two good seasons, uh, turning around two programs that were kind of in the dumps. So we'll we'll see what happens. Um, We'll see what happens back in college for him because he will get his pick of college jobs. But he just was not the right fit for the NFL. he is a guy like like a Dabo that has that ego, that has to have that control, that has to have full say, that has to basically be able to tell his players what to do. And you can't – that's not the NFL. You can't be like that. 
And so it is a good day for the Panthers franchise. Um, I will say listening to that press conference, I I already didn't really like Tepper all that much given everything that's gone on. I don't like that, man, that, that, that is not a good owner. Just the way that he talked in that press conference. And I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, he basically said Charlotte was a piece of shit till I got here. Um, And I gave this city everything. So um, that did not sit well with me. And oh I yeah, just, I feel I, like we we can we can break it down to a, a a rule section and a tepper section. Yeah, that, because I've got things to say about him too. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, this as bad as rule was, you can't blame him. He had an owner throw seventy some million dollars or sixty some million dollars over the seven years with no NFL experience, and it's like, sure, why the hell not? I mean, so here we are. Um, there is optimism. There is possibility of a bright future with a good coach. So that uh, there's a couple core pieces that you can, can build around and then everyone else should be on the table to, to get rid of, add some picks and let this, let this next regime do their thing. Yeah. And I think that I want to start off by saying, like, I don't think rule is a bad guy. Um, and if anybody takes anything that we say or anybody on Twitter says personally as like a personal affront to somebody as a man, then they're just being ridiculous um, virtue signaling because the man's getting paid $40 million regardless to not coach with the Panthers. He's going to be fine. Like I don't think rules a bad guy, but I think what you said was, was kind of perfect was that he kind of got handed the keys to an NFL really a whole organization because he was basically Tepper's um, just leader of an entire NFL franchise as a head coach who's never coached in the NFL other than being an offensive line assistant for the Giants. And he just steps in day one and has full control over personnel decisions um, and is getting paid a lot of money to do that, having never really proven himself. So, yeah, kind of a no-win situation. And I'm not going to lie to you. I bought – I drank the Kool-Aid. I thought this was the next coming. This was obviously somebody that, you know, people forget because we've been jaded by three years of of just ineptitude. But he – it's not like he was just Joe Blow. Like, no, there was NFL teams, like, kicking down the doors to get – an audience with Matt rule. I don't, you know, obviously they have more behind the scenes access to these coaches that they get to talk with them for hours at a time. And I think rule is a really good job. Does a really good job at selling himself and his brand um, until it's actually becomes time to, for that brand to do something. Um, And it works for the most part, I think at a college level, um, that total control, that football czar. I mean, there were reports coming out today, uh, Matt and Wes, I don't know if you guys saw about him having to control the social media department at for the Panthers. Like, dude, you're an NFL head coach, and you think you you have to control every bit of content that a social media department puts out? You want that much control? Like, those people get paid a lot of money to do their job, just like you get paid a lot of money to do your job, and your job is not social media. All right? How much are you taking on your plate 
like an NFL head coach has enough to take on their plate running a 53-man roster in a 17-game NFL season, and you want to control aspects of social media, like your job's already hard enough, and you're just making your job 15 times harder by having to have say and control over all these little minute details that don't have any bearing about the product you put onto the field. And I think that's a huge mistake. And I'm glad that this stuff is coming out. I'm glad we're starting to get a little peek behind the curtain of this three years that we've been put through as fans. And, you know, like I said, maybe it's, it's not all rules fault. Like he shouldn't have walked into that, but at the end of the day, he did drive this bus down this hill and in at this point that we're at now. And as someone who's been a Panthers fan, when I say my entire life, like my entire life, Sunday, looking at that stadium, even on television and the pictures, Matt, you were sending me, not even being there, it felt like the literal lowest point of our entire franchise history. And that's including a one in 15 season with 15 straight losses in 2010, you know, two and 14. And I mean, that's a low, low point when we had, and it's really hard as a fan, as big a fans as we are, considering the optimism and hope that we had through, you know, 2013, 2015, 2017, and into the rule tenure. It's a really, it's like a roller coaster of emotion because it was like the highest of highs. And he's just brought this whole thing down to this crashing, just halt. And it, it was It was about 75 to 80% red in that stadium yesterday. Or, and they're always going to travel well. I mean, yeah, the Niners, the Steelers, the Giants, Buffalo, you're always going to have them there. But that was the, the worst I've ever seen. So, and, and this is – this is kind of off, off, slightly off topic, but Matt Rule and David Tepper have talked about building this culture of of football in Charlotte and this team and this, that, and the other. For it to be seventy five to eighty percent away fans, and not just that. My buddies and I were at the game yesterday, and we we tried a little experiment because we started to see a lot of like just random ass jerseys at the at at the tailgates and at the games. We saw. 29 of 32 different NFL teams jerseys in attendance. Like, I know Charlotte is, is like a melting pot city, but like that tells you the state of your organization. If that's, what's taking up your seats, 29 of 32, the, Jaguar, like, the Jaguars, the Cardinals and the Texans were the only three we didn't see. That's like such a, and it's, it's so frustrating because I felt like, in all the years that me and Matt have gone to games together, that's always something I brag on people about. Like I'll straight up tell people like, what are you doing? Like, I'm just that asshole at games sometimes. And, and, but it was part of and people will roll their eyes at this, but it's part of me doing my little baby part of being an asshole fan, trying to establish a little bit of a culture, a little bit of a home field advantage. And I felt like the tide had started to turn at the end of the Rivera, you know, years, the end of the Cam years, I felt like you had a had started to establish and build a bit of a, a home culture of people who, like me, who have been Panthers fans their whole lives, who who spend their money to go to the games, who tailgate all day, who are you know loud and rambunctious, and some people don't like that. That turns some people off, but I mean, that's what you want in a 
home field advantage and to see all that momentum, all that stuff that Rivera and Cam built just be just taken and just flipped on its head and just dumped out. And it's not even remotely close to that, what it was in 2017 or 2015 or even 2013, that just the roaring riot, what they've done, it's all just been undercut. And it, it, and like you said, Wes, it all goes back to Tepper at the end of the day. And I was super excited about him too. Richest owner in the NFL has the most money to throw around. But what the hell have you done to this fan base, dude? What have you done? You need to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, bro, I have taken all the momentum out of this, all the potential earnings and money and worth of this franchise and just shit on it. But he brought us concerts, Corey. Elton John. Super stoked. <laughs> All right, Matt. We've said enough. Let's hear yours. Let's hear yours. Yeah, we got to get this going in in in, in one direction. <laughs> so, coming into the year, obviously, not what we wanted. Not didn't want Matt Rule back. I do think that he made some great decisions throughout the off season, at least smart decisions, I should say, on his behalf. Whether to bring in seasoned coaches with NFL experience to join his staff, he brought in Ben McAdoo. Uh, he brought in Steve Wilkes. He brought in James Camp. And so he got those voices. He, he he made some smart decisions for himself. Still never figured out the quarterback situation, but got himself in that hole the moment he walked in the door. So I'll touch on that in a second. But I had higher hopes this season, at least in the start of things. Um, obviously, play con on offensive hasn't, hasn't been, you know, what you would hope it would be. Quarterback play isn't what you would hope it would be. I think his game management has improved. Last year, you know, he's taking timeouts and burn them before half when, you know, just when they make no sense at all. Um, letting the crowd dictate whether he goes for it on fourth down, you know, just, just things that are unacceptable in the NFL. I think that he improved in those areas going into the season. He had some voices around him, more talent on the offensive line. So things looked a little bit better for him. Still, just really out of touch when it came to answering the questions from the media, his post-game news conferences, um, you know, just saying things that didn't really make a lot of sense. So, it, yeah, you can be a player's coach, and the players seem to love him, and he, and he never lost a locker room. But at the same time, you can be a player's coach, but it not work out. And I think that's what, you know, that's ultimately what it is. It's a guy who got paid a lot of, a lot of money, and he was in over his head from the beginning. You know, you don't come into a brand new situation, uh, new owner, new coach. We don't have a tie to any of y'all. Don't know you. And you treat the franchise player like he's a scrub. And you went on to say, you know, how you're excited to coach him and this and that. And then you release him and you sign Teddy, which from all reports, if you follow the the smoke, uh, he, you know, he was told when he was in college, if you ever make it to the NFL, that's a guy that you want as your quarterback. We're just talking about Teddy Bridgewater. So he went out and got his guy. Then he denied that he had final say over the roster. And there was that whole back and forth with Tepper uh, that made it out into the media. So, I mean, you, you lied from the beginning. 
you never figured out the quarterback situation. And we still haven't got it figured out because of a decision you made three years ago that you didn't even have to make. So you dug yourself a hole from the beginning. You brought your guy in here. It didn't work out. You convinced us to trade assets for Sam Darnold. That didn't work out. Then we go and trade for Matt Corral. He gets hurt because you play him behind a four-string offensive line that probably isn't even on a roster right now, a lot of those guys. And now you you trade for Baker Mayfield, and that hasn't worked out. So we make the trade for Matt Corral, and now a brand-new staff is inheriting him, and he's not going to be their guy. Most likely we're going to have a top-five pick, and you're going to be drafting the quarterback. And it's going to be a new regime, and whether it's Sean Payton or uh, – Ben Johnson, or who knows at this point, could be Steve Wilkes. There was no continuity. There was no vision of what you want to accomplish. Um, And there still isn't. And Dave keeps saying that, you know, we want to build the foundation. I want to put my vision on it. Uh, He was patient with Ron. I pulled up that whole interview with Bill Voth that he uh, last night when I was circling back through things. And just said that he was patient before he wanted to put his stamp on the football side of things. But he wanted to bring a winner here. And then uh, we were preached, we were taught patience because he signed a guy with no head coaching experience in the NFL to a seven year deal. One of the richest ones in existence. Uh, he makes the same amount of money as Sean McVay, who just won a Super Bowl last year. So, uh, harken back to all that that was just said even when the decision-making was going on, that rule was 28 and 23 at Temple. There were two guys ahead of him that got uh, power five coaching jobs before he came in there and did that. It was Al Golden. He went to Miami. He failed. It was Steve Adazio. He went to Boston College. He failed. Matt Rule just inherited some of his guys, brought a little bit of his own recruiting in there and turned it around and went five games over 500. He goes to Baylor, and he goes 19-20, and I think, is his overall record during his time there. I mean, yeah, the Baylor job, heck of a turnaround he did, um, you know, building on athletes, developing them, and and letting it pan out. Try to take that same idea and apply it to the NFL, and at least, yeah, we had a vision when it came to identifying prospects and the draft process and all that. But since he's been here, it's been downhill ever since Joe Brady and Ted, Teddy Bridgewater uh, did what they did in year one. At least we were scoring 30 points. You know, we were entertaining. We are hanging with the fucking Kansas City Chiefs. Now we play them, and do we even keep it within four scores? So, you know, I, I say all that to, to basically just say that, you know, anything that we had established previously was – pissed down the drain with the brand quote unquote uh and tepper's vision uh i hey kudos for tepper for falling on the sword and eating the money you know he's still got to pay it out that's his money there is uh some outs on uh the buyout or not the buyout but the rest of the remainder that they owed if he gets a college job uh most likely you're not paying him after this year so that is the one the one upside to it They'll have to pay him the difference if the job doesn't pay as much annually, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. so you're kind of hoping for an SEC job. But, I mean, he's going to make a, a decent chunk, and he's already – you know, worst-case scenario, he's going home with $40 million, making $800,000 a, a week for the foreseeable future. So there's that. But, um, yeah, um, moving forward, I mean, at least, at least this is behind us. Uh, I think it took 
I kind of said earlier in the week that I thought it would take a blowout loss to San Francisco for things to get, you know, to get rolling. And I think you could tell in the uh, post-game presser yesterday with how Rule was answering just his demeanor that he kind of knew, you know, that was it. Um, you could gauge anything by his demeanor. It's just his demeanor. Uh, he, and he, early on, he, he, just, he looked like he had the sniffles and was just, you know, down. I will say down. But, you know. I think he said, Wes said it, like, this man sat on a podium for two or three years now and just bold-faced lied to everybody. Yeah. Like, okay, do you have control of the roster or don't you? Just say it. Yes, I have control of the roster. What do you, why are you lying? Everybody knows you have control of the roster, right? You said you need to – last year, you said you need to run 30 times a game to win the ball game. That's why Joe Brady got fired. Now, all of a sudden, you're saying this year, oh, it's a passing league. You got to pass. All the best teams pass. Which is it, bro? Like, what what do you believe in? Like, it's whatever deflects blame blame from him at that moment. And and it he and one of the players yesterday said that Burns Brian Burns said this, and and I just want to be like, what the hell are you talking about? He said that Matt Rule takes accountability and doesn't throw his players under the bus. What? Yeah, he found he finds a different player every week to throw under the bus. He threw um, CJ under the bus. He he threw CJ under the bus yesterday. That it's a different game if CJ makes that tackle. Yeah, Yeah. he said it's a different game if CJ makes that tackle, and that's the only player that he called out. He finds a new one to do it. I mean, he threw obviously he threw Cam under the bus with the the whole playbook, not knowing the playbook. What the hell? You brought him in week seven, eight, whatever it was, and. You expect him to know the playbook? It's like I just I, and I just laughed at all these people on Twitter and all these social media outlets talking about well, this man's still a uh, you know a, a human being with a family. Blah blah blah. Like you can miss me with all that virtue signaling for NFL head coaches. Man. 40, 40 million man, forty yeah. million left. He's going to be fine. Like I said, sure. Is he is he a good person? You know, I don't know. I've never met him. I'm sure he's fine. All right. Do the players defend him? Sure. But is it really the players defending him because they like him? Or is it players that we've established a, a, a roster of, of good, genuinely good dudes, and they know that they it's not a good look to throw your coach under the bus? How about, how about yesterday? P.J. Walker just coming out and saying that things got a slow start in year three at Temple, too. And look how that turned out. Oh, my God. They started 7-0. and oh in year three at Temple. Just just lying for the dude. Because well, he knows that's the only way he's going to have a roster spot. PJ knows it's the only way he's going to have a roster spot. Yeah, that, exactly. But now he's going to be starting. So yeah. he, he's he's the real winner in all this. Uh, but see, we might and we might get the Jacob Eason show at some point. That's the shittiest part about all this, too. It's like if Matt Corral didn't get hurt in the preseason. He's up. He's up. And we get to get real evaluation on him. And now we're going to go into another draft, which, I mean, whatever. You know, I think a new a new, a new regime is going to want to draft their kid anyway. But it would be nice to at least have some tape, some tape to evaluate on this kid, um, you know, that we were all high on. But now we, even if we're it's not, not your – even if he's not your guy, you can get some trade value out of him if, if the new regime doesn't want to roll with him. I right. personally like Corral, but I think also if you have a top three pick, you – got to you've got to go quarterback absolutely especially with this draft class coming up which i'm sure we'll get to but um so 
with rule. I also wanted to say that, like, I wanted to address the people saying, like, what does this help us? How? What does this accomplish now? Doing this now. Number one, with Tepper, it's at least something that says, hey, man, I messed up. I fucked up. We got to get this man out of the building. I hear you guys. I hear you guys. I see you guys not showing up. So it's at least a, a, a statement to the fans that things got to change. So there's a win there. Number two, you can spend your whole brain trust can take this NFL season that's currently happening and still has, you know, 12 more weeks of football left. And you can really get into the nitty gritty and really evaluate these candidates. I'm sure there's already a list. And when it comes time to do interviews, really focus in on, hey, these are our guys. We're going to interview these guys and really focus on what you want as the next head coach. So that's a big advantage because you can't do that with rule in the building still. Player evaluation too. Exactly. Yeah. And then the number three is rules going to play the guys to win. All right. Poor Steve Wilkes gets the shit into the stick yet again with another NFL franchise. But if you lay that directive down and it's very clear to, Hey, you know, Hey Wilkes, you know, you're the interim coach, uh, but we need to evaluate these younger guys. We need to be playing younger guys. We don't, everybody on this roster should at some point get evaluated and see what you have going forward and have the tape for the next coach to evaluate what they have from the bottom of the roster to the top of the roster. So that's another advantage by doing this now. All right. And you don't have this just moron trying to save his job doing God knows what, you know, I, I honestly is, wouldn't be surprised if Sam Darnold would have worked his way back into the starting lineup with Matt Rule still here. <laughs> For anybody asking why Phil Snow got fired, at, uh, or you're confused by that at all, it, at the end of the day, a new coach is not going to keep Phil Snow that comes in here. Uh, Phil Snow and Matt Rule were tied at the hip. He was going to bolt to wherever Matt Rule went at the end of the season anyways, um, regardless of Steve Wilkes firing him or not. And I think that's probably got to do with – a little bit of that, then also, you know, Steve being a former defensive coordinator himself and being a secondaries coach, um, you know, he's probably got a difference of opinion of how that offense or excuse me, that defense should be ran. Uh, I don't think that he could probably be too happy with uh, your only pass rushing weapon dropping into coverage 33 times a game. But then again, I don't know really know what goes on in Steve Wilkes head. Um, you know. That's exactly what I was about to say. He saw. I think I saw a tweet that said this, and I was going to kind of steal the, the exact wording. Is he, is he saw Brian Burns drop into coverage 33 times and said, hell no, I get out of here, pretty much. Yeah, um, I, yeah that, that's the that's the main takeaway. Al, Al Holcomb and Steve uh, Wilkes uh, have coached together before. Uh, Al Holcomb has defensive coordinator experience in the National Football League, um, and Wilkes can, I'm sure, have his input there as well. So, uh it, you know, it makes sense at the end of the day. Um, special teams coach uh, Farley, forgetting the first name right now. I don't really know why. Uh, also uh, was fired today as well. 
Ed Foley. Ed, Ed, Ed Foley. Yeah, there you go. That's the one. Uh, um, I'm surprised Evan Cooper and Jeff Nixon are still around, but give it time. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to. I'm sure by the end of this football season, anybody aside from Chris Tabor, maybe Cantman, um, anybody who was uh, brought in as a rule guy will probably not be there. But it's, I hope I hope Wilkes is retained in some capacity, and I'll, I, I kind of hope DC. But I really hope they keep Tabor. Yeah, whoever as special teams, yeah. Because the special teams have been much improved this year. Probably the the bright spot of the team. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, to get back on the player eval stuff, um, this one is you'll you'll find funny. We were at the game and, and had a Panthers fan sitting beside me, and after Terrace caught probably his third ball of the day, the guy beside me, and he was very much a like a mom's basement uh, screaming at the clouds type of of person he was like uh he said something along the lines of see when you get him the ball he's better than jefferson and jamar just got to get him the ball get him some playing time and i was like i looked at my buddy and i was like i think i'm the biggest terrace marshall truther there is and that's that was a take <laughs> oh yeah and it, it's like in my in my like in my other friend group group chat like terrace marshall is the biggest joke because i'm such a big terrace marshall fan and He's just a running joke at this point, and you, you've you've created you your player development and your system has made a second round who many people thought should have been a first round pick just a running joke. Because he's, worth he's worthless in trade. Like nobody would even give you like a fourth for him. You might get a sixth for him now. No, but I'm just hoping again that the next regime can get this film on Terrace. They play Terrace. Keep him around, let him shine, and say, "Hey, let's restart your development." All right, let's forget everything that you've been told this past two years, and let's just refocus on what you need to be successful. Because I still have hope for him. I still think he can be a special player. I just, I mean, I, I don't. I honestly don't think, and I don't have anything to back this up really, other than just reading between the grapevine, practice stuff. I don't think that Terrace responded to the way Rule was coaching very well. And that's just my personal opinion. Um, but when I hear Rule talk about he's had a great week of practice, blah, 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 blah. What it says to me is you don't like the way – you don't like Terrace's attitude. He's rubbed you the wrong way some, somehow, and you're making him earn it, which, again, is the most ridiculous thing at the NFL level. Like – Going back to even training camp, that whole farce of a quarterback battle between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, like you guys wasted a whole training camp on this farce QB battle because rules just wants to make people earn it. He's that Tom Coughlin, just whatever you want to call it, mantra of everybody has to earn it. It's like, no, these are professional athletes. You traded or you you brought Baker Mayfield here for a reason. Why don't we get this guy who is going to be the better quarterback? Everybody in the nation knows is a better quarterback than Sam Jones. Why didn't he take all the reps and you can stop this bullshit game that you're playing of making people earn it? That shit does not work at the NFL level at all. 
No, and and I think part of the Terrace thing is I think that was a Joe Brady pick. I think yeah. Rule just that was never his guy, and Rule we know Rule is a his guy's guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Robbie Anderson is Rule's guy, so Terrace getting snaps, catches, targets at takes away from Robbie. So I don't know. Well, you know, I mean, we we did have interest in Denzel Mims. Uh, that's a that's a Rule guy. And that guy can't even get snaps on the New York Jets. <laughs> we had interest in Denzel Mims with a wide receiver room that we have. Who I mean, yeah. I think we we have a we have a solid wide receiver room. When you play more than three wide receivers, it it took it what it took two games for anybody other than Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, or Shaw Smith to get a snap. And then LaVisca becomes our leading or second leading receiver on the season in one game play. Why are you carrying seven or six wide receivers if you're only going to use three of them? From all accounts, Higgins had an amazing camp. And it took four games for Higgins to get a snap. That's the kiss of death and rule. Great camp, great practice, and nothing. But he he held the ball out over the goal line. You know, you know who I picture coming and picking up Matt Rule, Thomas Fletcher. <laughs> Probably, hey bro, come crash on my couch. I just he feel calls like, him and says, "You coming?" I just feel like so, it's such a it's such a funny joke. Like it's such a joke, but like because you know, like obviously, like NFL coaches, like Bill Belichick, like obviously, like they care about like the little things, the little things, the little details. But I feel like Rule just focuses on the little details that don't make a fuck to anything that's going on on the football field. Like, obsess over small details, but obsess over important details, not your players holding the ball out over the goal line. Like, I had never even known that was a concept that coaches cared about until the Teddy thing in Green Bay and then this offseason I, I mean in my 30 some years on this earth of watching football I've never seen a coach stress out so much about players holding the ball out over the goal line to score a touchdown it just it baffles me it's crazy speaking of speaking of Fletcher when I saw JJ walk out to be a captain Sunday I just about I about lost it, it just I just just like we wasted a sixth round pick who the very next pick was? Uh, it was like fewer four uh, or five pro, picks. That was, was, or, was Trey Smith, yeah, yeah, a, 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 a Pro Bowl guard who was well, which was our worst position last year was guard on the offensive line, and we had to take the long snapper that never saw the field behind the long snapper who's been our long snapper for fifteen years now. I, I I I just I just had to laugh at that. Just and it's nothing against JJ. I wasn't laughing at JJ. I was laughing at the fact just that whole drafting of Thomas Fletcher. I'll uh, I'll wrap up my my segment on rule and then we'll switch over to Tepper. But um, after the Cardinals game last week, that's the first time this season that um, in the stadium you could hear the fire rule stuff start back up. And at that point, I mean, it was just so bad in the second half that, I mean, on the way out of the stadium too, I mean, that's all you heard was fire rule. I mean, chance left and right. And and that's when I knew that, I mean, he lost the fan base at that point. 
I mean, if he hadn't already, anybody hanging on to hope after the Saints win, that right there did it. I knew they weren't coming back. And obviously with how well San Francisco travels, I knew they would obviously show up uh, on Sunday. Didn't expect it as much as it was, but the thing, <laughs> I say that to kind of transition into Tepper because he said a couple things that pissed me off. But one of those was uh, talking about the attendance yesterday. And he said, well, there were 65,000 people in the stadium. You know, 80 or 90% of that was was red, but there was 65,000. It's like, you know, it, it it took that for it to get through that, like, they weren't coming back. The fans weren't coming back if you're allowing that into the stadium. I know they travel well, but that just shows you that your fan base has given up at one and three on this coach and this team, and you don't really give a fuck about it because the seats are filled. But it took that to kind of get your attention, and then – you say that there was a lack of intensity yesterday. I mean, not that I mentioned it was what 30 to 15 was the final score, I think 37, 15. Um, but, but I mean, what, what did you expect to happen? You didn't go into that game thinking that you were going to, you know, he's going to be the coach. And then yesterday in rules press conference, he's, he was asked you know, if he thought that he would still be the coach of the team. And he said, you know, basically that's, that's not to me, you know, as, as far as I know. Uh, and then obviously everything happened today, but uh, I mean, switching gears a little bit. I mean, Tepper's press conference today. I mean, I, uh, the highlight for me was him and Scott Fowler getting into it because I hate Scott Fowler anyways, and I know Corey has a set of opinion on him. But Tepper didn't do himself any favors today. He could have got up there and been like, you know what, guys, we got to be better. I need to be better. I let everybody down. You know, it didn't work out. So be it. Matt handled himself in a classy way. Um, we're going to get this thing right. It's not really necessarily how it went. It was mainly of, hey, uh, it didn't work out. Matt's a, a great guy. Um, you know, look what all I've, I've done for you guys so far. It's like my biggest thing with the press conference today is like, first of all, you have the audacity to get mad and throw a hissy fit because people are asking legitimate questions about the football operation going forward. When you ghosted all of us for over a year between making public appearances, all right, and then kept us hanging at the end of last year on if Rule was going to stay. You never even said, hey, he's going to stay. You didn't put out a statement saying he's going to stay. I'm backing him. It took, what, two months after the season to even – say hey rules staying he's my guy so you have the audacity after ghosting us all that whole that whole time not even putting so much of a statement out to get frustrated and throw a little child hissy fit as a billionaire because local reporters are asking you legitimate questions about the state of the franchise and the football organizational structure going forward we have the right to know well i don't want to say that it is your your franchise, obviously, you own it. So we, don't, I guess, we don't have the right to know anything. But if that's how you want to be, then that's ridiculous. But we should, we deserve to know how this process is going to work. Who's in charge? Who's calling the shots? Is Scott Fitter taking over all of the personnel thing like a GM should? Who the one man in your, the one competent person in your football operation? Is he going to have the final say in this coach's hire? Is he going to be the person who's interviewing candidates making a list because I hope that Tepper's ass stays far away from he came in and he fooled all of us too with the fool's gold being about the fans 
building a culture back, coming to tailgates, all that nonsense. And he just ripped it all away from us. And he's showing his true colors now by being an asshole up on a podium who to people who I don't like. I don't like Scott Fowler. I think half the people at the Charlotte Observer are terrible at their jobs. All right. But still, we're asking legitimate questions. Stand your ass up there, be a man, and answer the damn questions. It's not that hard. It's it's not that hard to say what Matt just said. Hey, I, I respect Matt Rule as a man. He wasn't the right guy for the job. This one's on me. Yada, yada, yada. That's all you have to say. And then talk about the process going forward, how you're going to fix it. and. For, for him to put up the for him to joke and tell us that they're focused on winning this season, come on, bro, come on, man. We're, you don't have to sell us that. All we care about is how this process is going to work. How is your organization structured? Do you even know how your organization is structured at this point, or are you just going to start making personnel decisions? Because that's how I feel. That what's really happening. I really think that. I mean, Tepper's had so much on his plate with the Rock Hill deal and that falling through, the Charlotte FC expansion starting up. And you think that he really just brought Matt Rule in, was just like, here, run, run this organization. I, I think mean, so. I he, think so. It, it makes more sense when you look back on things with like a, a clear mind and a clear picture now. But Scott Fowler, I mean, Scott, Jesus, Scott Bitterer is basically just a guy that's like, okay, I can get in contact with these teams. And hey, I got a trade lined up, but you got to run it by Matt. Matt's got to say yes or no. He says no, and that's it. Like I mean, it's kind of like what's been happening for the last couple of years. Um, but I feel like it's like a master level troll job by Scott Fitter to be like, oh, "Well, I didn't pick this coach. I don't really like him too much." So you want Sam Darnold? Sure, I'll make it happen. You think you can win with him? Why not? Let's try. I'd love, I'd love to hear his retrospective in about a decade or two, um, just as to exactly what happened when he's no longer got the job. That would be great. Um, after watching the press conference, my optimism slowly kind of went to, oh shit, what's he going to do next? And I say that and not, in a like he won't make a rash decision because obviously he's not gonna he's it, it'll be the off season but what is he gonna do next is my concern like is it I hope he goes after three or four of the best coordinators out there um sans one or two names that aren't coordinators because of specific reasons like Flores but it, it, it's not hard. Keep it in the NFL family. Keep it. Keep the and run the organization like other organizations are run. GMs make personnel decisions. Coaches exactly. play the coaches put the roster together. Put the final roster together with the personnel that the GM has given them. There's maybe one organization that doesn't run that way, and that's because the the man, the coach behind that organization, or has won six Super Bowls. So um, I think he's earned that right. Uh, Matt Rule has won um, 20 some college football games in a couple years. <laughs> um, I mean, look at Jerry Jones. I mean, you, he's the owner and he's the GM. And they haven't won anything in 
27 years. I mean, so it, I mean, it never, it never works out when an owner's overly involved. I mean, they asked Tepper today if, uh, who was going to, you know, have the final decision on the, you know, the coaching hire next year. And he didn't answer. He was like, we're just focused on, on uh, winning out the rest of the season. Like, why can't you just be, be personable, be, be real. I mean, these, the, the writers aren't going to, you know, they're not going to just take that shit and be like, Oh, okay. I mean, you mean, you get mad at Scott Fowler and tell me you read his articles and you read his pieces, you know, each day, each week, you know, what's out there. So why don't you actually try to help yourself out and put a positive spin on it instead of attacking and, and going back and forth with a reporter when the, it's the first time you've talked to them in a year and a half. Yeah. You yeah. had no problem putting your face out there when, you know, you were uh, hosting the Roaring Riot and introducing Matt Rule in the practice uh, bubble where you had 500 people there to introduce this coach who you thought was the savior, uh, was going to build the Pittsburgh Steelers of the South. And then and look at that stupid shit. And, and yeah, I mean, Matt Rule's a used car salesman. He learns everything about the franchise and the history in 24 hours enough to make a, a public speech. His dad was a pastor. I mean, he's going to, he's going to be a damn good speaker, but he sold us false gold and Tepper just ate it right up because he could relate to him because the guy was a line cook and he dressed it like, he dressed like a slob. Well, guess what? He's not a billionaire and you're not a football coach. Is there, is there a name that you can think of that Tepper would bring in as the next head coach that you just like, I'm done. Cause I've, I've got one. Oh God, give me a second because it, it 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 Mike McCarthy's top of the list if Dallas ever told him to kick rocks. Uh, when I say when I say my name, you, everyone you I, I think all three of you or both of you all both of you will agree with me. But I John will, Gruden. No, I I have a name <laughs> that if he becomes the next Panthers head coach, I am done, done, done. Dan Quinn. No, well, I mean, is that yours? I, mean, I thought you. It's not mine. Like yeah, it's not on my list as far no, as I don't, I don't want him. I don't want any part of Dan Quinn. I'm, I don't want him, but it's not that's not a I'm done hire. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I, I wouldn't be done. You're you're correct in saying that. Uh, now I've got, I've got a I've got one I'm done name. What is it? You want you want to know it? Did he recently Dabo oh. Sweeney? <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my that's my I'm done name. Done. And, Somebody threw his name out in my in one of my group chats, and I I am one thousand percent done. I said I'll become a shield guy, like like the the running joke of people that are for the shield. Like I'll just be an NFL guy. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm as get, get the college thing rest as you can it, possibly really, be, but really any any college head coach right now. Yeah, it it didn't work for Nick Saban. I, I'm. It didn't work for Bobby Petrino. It doesn't work. It didn't work it for Chip Kelly. Doesn't work. Who am I missing here? Because there's Pete Carroll was the only one that got it right, and he was blessed with Russ to fall into his lap. Or did Russ screw up Pete Carroll? People are asking. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't work overall. Yeah, but that that's, uh, Har- that's Harbaugh. My name. Harbaugh, I, I can give Harbaugh some of it. He got to a Super Bowl. That's that's my one name that because he's from the South, he's got he could pull in that one one Carolina thing, and and that that name that just seems like some shit Tepper would do, and and it it makes 
and uh, the scenario I threw back at him was like, well, watch, watch us go and, and steal Dabo and then Clemson, Clemson takes rule. And, Cle- and I have and- to hear, bring your own guts into it at a Carolina Panther press conference. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, will lose my shit can you imagine can you imagine like no can you imagine Davo dressed up as sir purr running has got like um he's got all the players and all the all the clemson fans that love Davo just like having a a sunday devotional before the game (laughs) just praise be to god for the carolina panthers he runs just, out to, to midfield and bangs the drum every game because it's it's the Davo show. You gotta. <laughs> I don't want can, players in the transfer portal, but I'm gonna come he can, pay he can, yeah, millions of dollars. He can say the uh pre-race prayer over at Charlotte Motor Speedway where he runs over for the kickoff. Yeah, I'm just Osama bin Dabo. <laughs> Now listen, back yes, when I, I was in <laughs> back yes, when I was in college, I didn't want players to get paid, but you boys are y'all are professionals out here now. <laughs> I guess I'm just a summer. Could you dapper. imagine him in the NFL with his like players or property persona? Absolutely. Good lord. Not. He, is, not. he is right where he belongs in, in college football, but that I just I had to mention that. Um I guess we can get back on track. Yeah, there's uh, no we talking about Tepper, or do we want to talk about our shortlist of of who to replace? Rule. The only thing, the only thing, the only thing I have left to say about Dave Tepper is stop taking, stop calling fans that line your pockets every Sunday. Stop calling us a bunch of people who live in our mom's basements because we have an opinion on Twitter. Hey, it's it's been a good week for the basement tweeters. Bro, we've been here a lot longer than you have. And we care a whole lot more about this than you do. So how about you just keep taking our opinions? Black end zones is cool. Logo at midfield's cool. But maybe not be a jackass to the people who, who line your pockets every Sunday and who in that's opposing fans. Right. And who a couple <laughs> in a couple more years you're going to come with your handout asking for us to help fund your new stadium, which I'm cool with, but you better come correct because you're pissing off a lot of people. And I know that you don't care. You're a billionaire. You don't give a fuck what I have to say or what any of us have to say, but be a good person and do what you say you're going to do. Stay your ass out of this football operation. Let Scott Fitter and Dan Morgan do their thing. And let's get this thing on the right track, dude. You're smart. Obviously, you're a billionaire. Listen to the people in that building who know what the fuck they're doing. Because you've got a couple of them. If you just listen to them, stay your ass out of it. Let them make call the shots. Take a step back. Realize you don't know what you're doing. Stop with the ego. And they'll make you look good. And they'll make us all happy. People helping people. Rich get richer. But don't patronize the hardworking people who pay their money to come see your team shit the bed on Sunday. Don't do it. It's not cool. It's not a good look. 
see the thing is I don't, I don't I think he's so far removed from reality because he he the 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 checks he each week still hit the same because it's full of away fans. I I just don't I don't think he gets it because to him it doesn't matter. It's the well, game day experience and 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 the game day experience doesn't matter if it's when and when I say game day experience I'm not talking like fan atmosphere I'm talking the DJ booth on the 500 level where people are up there partying and drinking during the game, not caring that there's a game on. They're just like, that. that's what he's there about. He is about making the money and having people there, no matter if they're cheering for the team or not. We've got on field suites that are just recently built that no average fan will ever sit in, but yet we have away fans sitting in those yesterday, just right on the field. So it doesn't matter the the checks cash the same. You don't care about, really building a culture um, and something that the, I guess I'll say Carolinas can be proud of. Um, Obviously you're hurting for a little bit of cash because you have the ticket office calling PSL owners, asking them if they would like to upgrade now for single games. So not only was it just an upgrade, you want to move the people in the 500s down to the 300s, which for anybody who is not up to date on ticket prices, a typical ticket, uh, in the first, let's say, 15 rows of the upper level is going to run you about $82. Uh, 15 and up, about 60-some, uh, that, that'll get you in the door. If you want it to, to go from said 500 level to the 300s that they're offering, with the ticket that with the price that you pay per ticket, uh, you would have to add an additional $180 to that price. So a total of $360 to upgrade two seats to sit in the 300 level. So you can have a bigger seat, indoor access to bar and food, and sit around a bunch of people who don't give a rat's ass about that football game. So I, um, I, I hope the man can figure it out. I hope he can get back in, in the touch with uh, the fan base. You know, the honeymoon period's over with. He's not out here drinking beers at uh, the tailgates. He's not out here talking to the fans and, you know, trying to make a good impression early on. Um, you know, now it's about look at me, what, what I've done for you guys, not what I've done for you guys or what, what uh, you've actually done for is with the uh, results on the field. Well, and I'm going to tell you what, ma'am, and I know that I'm, I'm not – I don't think I'm in the minority – but I know that some people do care, but I'm going to tell you what, I don't give two shits about Charlotte FC. All right. That affects me in no way. I care about the Carolina Panthers. And I know there's a lot of people out there that care, care about the Carolina Panthers. So you gain no equity with a huge chunk of your fans by bringing Charlotte FC here. I could care less about Charlotte FC. I haven't been to a concert in probably 10 years. I don't give a fuck about concerts. Your breadwinner, your moneymaker is the Carolina Panthers. And the way you're going to make the most money is by making this team and this town and this culture even remotely close to back to what it was starting to become a few years ago. Get the team right. The fans will come back. and Everybody will be happy. But stop going up there telling me I should care about you because you brought Charlotte FC here. 
I have not watched one Charlotte FC game this entire year. I don't care about Charlotte FC. That's not what I get out of you, Tepper. Now, I know that some fans probably do. I'm just not one of them. And I know there's a lot more like me. I, I, I don't think North Carolina is just overrun by soccer fans. Get the Carolina Panthers right before you do anything else. All right. Holler at me, Ted. We can talk. Preach. You know, yeah, I mean, you, you know that he's going to be coming asking for the money or the, the handout here soon, wanting public funding for the stadium, and then that's going to, that's going to be a nice little, little back-and-forth battle, the billionaire coming to the taxpayer for public funding. Which I don't care about either. You know, right, yeah. Build a new stadium. That's, that's fine to me. But you're going to sit here, and if you don't build some equity back with this fan base – and you're going to all of a sudden start threatening to move the team, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of pissed off people who are going to say, fuck you. Sorry, we're letting the cuss words what, fly tonight. What's, but, what's, I mean, your, what's your fandom look like if the team moves? Serious question, because it's, it's a question I debated with my buddies yesterday at the game, too. I've thought about this several times. I think I don't know. I, I will go into a very dark state of depression because I've been so passionate about this team for so long. And it's been such a big part of like my identity and it's like my escape. And it's like something that I care about that's bigger than myself. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to think about it anymore because I, I feel like it's the realest possibility that it's ever been. And, yeah, that would be a very dark time for, for myself. I, I'll just put it that way. I think we're at a point right now where there's just no – We, I mean, we're coming up on the second longest playoff drought in franchise history, uh, the longest being seven years. But if we don't make it this year, then it's been since 2017. So you're looking at five, six years. Pretty consistently, we made it about every five years, being like the longest drought. I mean, even though Tepper said that we really haven't had a winning culture uh, here because we haven't had back-to-back winning seasons. Oh yeah, you know, just typical, oh, typical God. shit. But but another thing to to say. But I I think just as fans, we're at just the lowest point that we've been at you know these last few years. And it was supposed to be this rebuild, especially after coming you know so close there for a while, and then you know being at the the highest of highs. Um, you know, with the previous regime. And then now we're obviously at the lowest of lows. The only thing missing is one in 15. I think that we're just now expecting anything that could go bad does go bad. Or every time we get our hopes up, you know, it just, it's a slap in the face or there's disappointment around the corner. There's just, I, I can't stress enough about making sure that you put the right football people in place this time, because if you don't, I mean, then you're, you're, you're pushing a stretch of 10 years there and then you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then you're getting an entire another fan base that doesn't know what prime Cam Newton looks like. And yeah, it's, you know, they don't, they don't know Jake DeLong. They don't have any ties to the area. So then you're losing a whole local group of fans that are growing up in a growing game. I mean, then who knows? I mean, then you have like the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you know the LA Rams and people that cheer for teams outside the state. Dude, it, I see it. I see it 
every day. And I didn't mean to cut you off, but you break up a good point and just maybe think about it. I coach third and fourth grade kids, right? I have a group of 20 some kids and there's two kids on the entire team who like the Panthers. It's like, we went back to 1990, like 1997, like all these kids don't care about the Carolina Panthers. They like the chiefs. They like the Ravens. They like, all these other teams that they see on TV balling out. And like, it really hit home with me when I was talking to these kids, asking them about, you know, who, the, who their favorite team is. And n- like, none of them like the Panthers watch football. Don't give two shits about the Panthers. Say so they suck all the time. I have a huge pan- I have the Panthers license plate on the back of my car. I have a huge Panther sticker on the back of my car. And I get, <laughs> just get talked down to by these little kids <laughs> every day because they're like coach the panthers suck so bad why do you like them i'm like man it's a dark time when just you know five six years ago everywhere you went you saw cam newton jersey on a little kid little kid dabbing yeah it's just it just fucking sucks man and i think now maybe in the next couple days we'll start to hear how people really felt the last couple years come out with former players and and all of that, I mean, Luke's back at back in the front. I mean, in the organization in some capacity, doing radio stuff. I mean, he left the scouting role that he was previously in, so he's taking a step back from football. Don't really know how much. Obviously, that came into play with rule. I think it's probably got a decent amount. Um, you've seen guys like Jonathan Stewart, Trey Boston, active on Twitter. Steve Smith uh, today on his podcast saying that a lot of the stuff that Matt rule would say in press conferences just didn't add up saying that I watched the game. I didn't see that. Just, uh, Charles Johnson on, on Twitter apparently has a story about Matt rule, uh, that he's going to share at some point. So, I mean, it, it, it's out there. Um, just hoping to finally get a little bit more insight about the shit show, how it really went the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, I guess the last little topic here is wrapping this up. I mean, I think it's time. I think maybe we're all in agreement here that it's time that the Panthers go with an offensive-minded head coach since we've never had one in franchise history. Um, you know, the, the, the hot name out there is going to be Sean Payton. Uh, just so fans can know what to expect, uh, the last time a head coach was traded was uh, Oakland trading John Gruden to Tampa Bay, and I believe that cost him two first and a second and $8 million, and that wasn't even to a division rival, and that was 22 years ago, give or take. So it's going to be a high price if they if Dave does decide to go that route. Uh, Sean Payton was on with Colin Coward earlier today talking about how it is an attractive job. It's kind of a unicorn. You get to come in, pick your quarterback, uh, blah, blah, blah. So doesn't sound like he's deterred by any means uh, of this opening. Uh, obviously, that's probably where for Tepper's eyeing. There's uh, some rumors back last summer that they might go that route. If uh, Mike McCarthy ends up getting fired, then you can kiss that goodbye because Jerry Jones isn't going to get outfit for Sean Payton, who has ties to that organization. So uh, if they don't go Payton's route, uh, some names that you guys think would uh, potentially come up, have come up, some some names that you would be fans of or just some names in general that you would expect to see? Dorsey. I How mean, funny would I, be if, if Dorsey brought back Joe Brady? 
I, I mean, I tweeted it today. I, I think I, I'd like to see Dorsey, Wilkes, and Brady. That's your core. Um, oh, Ricky up. Yeah, I would also like to see Luke be offered some sort of assistant DC or linebackers coach or something, and I'd also like to see Greg offered. You're probably not going to coax Greg out. His job's a little more cushy than Luke's. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd I'd like to see him try. But yeah, that's that's my top. Um, Ben Johnson's a name I'd like to see considered. Um, Peyton, obviously, but I don't I don't know that I want to give up those assets with the holes that the roster has. I really don't. Um, that is the the tr- the picks. Um, we have four picks next year. So any retooling that we do of picks by trading players, we really need those to make picks, not to give to the Saints. So um, as much as I hate Sean Payton, but as much as I would also like him to be our coach because he's a good coach, I, I don't like that route. And then the one defensive name I, that would not upset me is is Flores. I, I I know we all think that we 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 would all prefer an offensive guy but i i would not be upset at flores either yeah um i feel like peyton is just in like a tier of his own in terms of if you can make that work and you not have to give up that first round pick next year or you know first round pick if there's some way that behind the scenes that deal can get done and and we're not giving up that amount of assets then cool um he does have an out He's out of it in 2024. Obviously, we can't wait that long. But, I mean, I could see a situation where he's like, look, I'm going to do what I want in 2024 anyway. So you might as well just, you know, let me, you know, pay you some money. And Tepper can do that. Um, And let's just, you know, do this now. Um, Do I think that happens? Probably not. Do I think Tepper's going to have conversations with Sean Payton? Absolutely. I think we're going to be in those conversations. We're going to be linked to Sean Payton throughout this entire season and into the the hiring cycle. Uh, Until we have another head coach, um, we will be linked with Sean Payton regardless. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Um, Outside of Sean Payton, like you said, I care about an offensive-minded head coach. I don't want a defensive-minded coach. D'Amico Ryans, sure, he's great. Awesome. Brian Flores, wonderful. Cool. All right. I don't want them. I, I want someone who is going to bring us as fans and this franchise an offensive identity that's not three yards in a cloud of dust and ball control and defensive smash mouth football. No. All right. I'm 31 years old. I've been. I've had that shit shoved down my throat. And there's been a lot of good times with it, you know. I've had that shit shoved down my throat for 31 years now, all right. I'm over it, all right. Smash mouth, defensive-minded football has not won us a Super Bowl, Bo, all right. We haven't done it yet. Innovate, all right. Give me some innovation. Ben Johnson, I love it. I think he's awesome what he's done with the Lions and golf. I mean, they're the number one scoring in team in the NFL right now. All right. They don't have I'd a say, defense. I'd say that's, pro- that's probably not the case anymore after uh, this well, Yeah, week. they did. Yeah, you're right. They just got goosed. So that, that average has <laughs> probably gone down a little bit. Um, but again, you know, that it's golf. And, you know, I, you can only do so much with golf. But I'm impressed by what they've done. 
what they've what he's you know built and the games I've watched them he it it's it's innovative and it, it, it and it and they score with anybody um this past week aside um he's cool um Dorsey is I think where I'm going to end up hitching my wagon to um I was looking back and I didn't realize just how long Dorsey had been involved and um he was the passing game coordinator and um quarterback coach you know for those early years of Josh Allen from all accounts and all reports did play like a big part in a big role in Josh Allen's development um you know I like that they don't give a fuck about running the football and you know they'll be up 30 and they'll still be throwing the ball and I think that's cool and what we need and I want to see that I want you know I'll pay my money to see that you know I, that I don't Dorsey's the guy probably for me and then you let Dorsey uh and his staff pick a quarterback next year and let's let's get this thing back on track because I was looking at today um you're more than likely going to have no, no matter what we do with the salary cap with the money and the contracts, you're more than likely going to have five of five starters on the offensive line coming back next year. That's one thing that, you know, Corbett's got a two-year deal. Elflon still has a, a time left on his deal, and he's played pretty well this season at center. Um, Brady's on his rookie deal, so he's going to be here. Obviously, your first-round pick, Icky, has gotten better every single week. And then Taylor Moten, you know, he's locked up. So you're going to have five starters coming back on the offensive line for a rookie quarterback to step in. And if you have the right guy calling plays, we can be competitive as early as next year. It doesn't have to be this long-tiered rebuild if you draft the right quarterback, put them behind that offensive line with a year under their belt together to protect them. And all these people, and I, you know who you are, especially some of my friends, stop trashing Icky. The kid is a rookie playing – probably the most difficult position in the NFL and has done nothing but get better every single game and every single snap that he's played. PFS highest graded run blocker as a rookie since they've kept stats. Anybody say anything bad about Icky? Go watch some Evan Neal tape right now. Yeah. Was he five sacks already? And and I, I love Neal coming out. And Neal still can be a really good tackle. But at, at this point in their careers, go watch, go compare the tape. They're rookies. They're, 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 that's not, that's my point. Is they're, they're rookies. You you got to. We're ahead of the curve with Icky at this point, the way he's playing, because it's not been god awful. It's been it's been solid and getting getting to be good, and in the run game, it's really good. So you can miss me with all that Icky talk. Icky's going to be. A cornerstone for this franchise, injuries aside, for the next ten years. He had the so, highest grade for it uh, from PFF for an offensive lineman this season yesterday. Right, so you highest, can make highest graded rookie ever. So you, so you can make. So everybody's saying that this is a shit situation. Blah blah blah. You can make some moves as a as, as a GM. You can trade Robbie or, or some of these other pieces to acquire some picks back. And you can all of a sudden make this a really, really, really attractive job for somebody to walk into. 
Who um, are your untouchables on that point then? Who who can't be included in a trade? Who can't be? Yeah, I've got I've got a list, and I think it's a shorter list than most. But uh, who are y'all's untouchables? I think that you need to keep Chin. You need to keep Brian Burns. You need to keep Chin Burns, Moten, the, any you know Icky, obviously, J.C. Horn, untouchable. Um, that's pretty much it. I, I mean, I would be fine parting with DJ. I'd be fine parting with Robbie. I'd be fine parting with Christian McCaffrey. I'd be fine parting with Shaq Thompson. I'd be fine parting with Dante Jackson. Um, I'd be fine parting with Derek Brown. Um, yeah, um, um, uh, I think it's Chin, Burns, Moten, Icky. Yeah, pretty much it. My, mine's four. So the only one on your list. So I've got mine's Horn. Icky, Moten, Chin. Burns mm-hmm. is expendable because his payday is coming, in my opinion. That makes sense. I mean, I, and I would probably be like, damn, that sucks. But, you know, I could probably be, I could probably live with it, honestly. And you don't have to have an all-star defense to win in the NFL. You just don't. Matt, what's you yours? Don't. It sure helps, though. What's your list? What's your list, Matt? Anybody we uh, left off or anybody yeah, you would trade? Mine's, mine's slightly different, I guess. Um, Chin, Horn, Brown. I hate – I can't even believe I said that, but from where I was on him. But he's he's improved. We don't have – interior – when we don't have it, it's so frustrating to watch games. Uh, Brown, Burns. Obviously, the offensive line, those pieces are – I mean, they speak for themselves. And I'll add Frankie Lubin. Love Frankie. Love me some Frankie. I did see a list that included him today that you do, not only is he not untouchable, you got to extend him. So, I I, yeah. I don't hate that. I don't hate that because um, linebacker is weak I mean, outside, outside of him so, at this point. Shaq's, somebody, been, Shaq's not good. Yeah, I was going to say, somebody offers me anything for Shaq, he's gone at this point. He's not yeah. coming back on a, once his deal's up. You know, maybe you could try to cut bait. I don't know how much dead money would be there in the offseason, but Shaq has shown literally nothing so far. Nothing. Not a thing. Damian Wilson has shown more. Yeah. And I also want to say before before this before this podcast ends or before we head into this next week, um, for you fan police out there, okay, we're not going to make the playoffs with Steve Wilkes. Okay. I love him. I think he's great. I hope that he gets retained. We're not making the playoffs with Steve Wilkes. I'm not a bad fan and I'm not going to, you fan, however you want to fan. That's fine. You can't call me out on, on my fanhood because I realize that the best thing for this franchise is to lose as many games as we possibly can and get as high as we possibly can in this quarterback draft class. I've already seen. It. We don't, I don't want wins for the culture. <laughs> I, I don't want moral victories. I want us to lose as much as we can possibly lose while the, while we're, we're the season's already started. Like we're in it. Like it's not getting better. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, but Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, 
mean a lot more to me in their next 10 years than beating, you know, Atlanta on the Thursday night game I'm going to. Am I going to go? Yeah. I'm gonna go. Am I going to cheer? Yeah. But, I, I mean, we, 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 we have to get a franchise quarterback. Hell, even if the next coach determines that those two guys aren't it, can you imagine the haul you're going to get? Look at the trades recently. Correct. Look at San Francisco's trade for Trey Lance. That's the most recent one that you can take a look at. Right. Uh, I mean, the haul that you get, if maybe the next coach has a – I don't know who's a, a, who the free agent quarterbacks are next year. I haven't taken that far – Far into look, uh, Lamar's, Lamar, Lamar, Lamar Lamar's going to get tagged. He's going to get tagged. Just get out of here. Lamar Jackson will get tagged and sit out. But um, I did see a, uh, a viral tweet that said Amazon should just pay Lamar Jackson five hundred million to play all time QB on Thursday night games. God, I, I, I need that back here because I, I missed the times when my biggest worry was F one fifty Twitter. And and that fan base that was when that was the biggest worry around here. Things were actually really good. <laughs> so if I could just get just get them back and Dave Tepper to go open, you know, go book some music acts somewhere else across the state, I think life would be okay here. Well, draft Twitter, draft Twitter is going to you know point to the umpteen thousand reasons why I'm wrong, but I I love me some Bryce Young. I here, love Bryce Young. There you go. Before before we wrap this up, rank these four. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers. Oh shit. <laughs> That's tough. Okay. William Williams, Young, Stroud, Ewers, Ewers. Mm. Young Williams. Yours, Stroud. I'm not a Stroud fan. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to dig a deep dive, but I'm I'm at this point the I'm not I'm not there with Stroud. The, the Stroud Young tape breakdown starts this week for me. I'm, I'm gonna start cool. watching. It's it, all it starts this. It it starts this week. Posted a clip gonna, last night. <laughs> it's all I'm gonna be doing. It's it's and it's I, sad. It's sad to realize that. The draft is in April, and it's you know months and months and months away. We don't, but as long as we are in that top three, that's all I'm going to be doing for the next however many months is Stroud versus Young comparisons. As shitty as last year's quarterback class was, I spent hours watching tape on them. I cannot imagine how many hours of tape I'm going to watch on Young and Stroud. I, I it. It's going to be – I'm probably going to obsess over it as we – like you, like you said, if we stay in that top three. You pick number three, Stroud and Young go one and two, and you're left with Tyler Van Dyke. <laughs> Just at that point, at that point, it's, it's Anderson. <laughs> that's coming that from point, Miami, man. <laughs> no, at this point, it's – at that point, it's Anderson, and you take Caleb Williams next year. Just take for Drake May, baby. Oh, God. <laughs> No. I already, I already heard that that's the best quarterback in the country. Oh boy, it's just time, time for time to buy time until Arch, Archie gets here. Out there playing against those Catholic schoolboys, yeah, that's it. One A out there spinning it. <laughs> Have you watched any of the clips? Yes, man? 
it's, yes. it's comical how bad the talent he's playing against. It's just a watch. Like, dude, just his, it looks like he's jogging, but he's running full speed 30 yards into the end zone. It's just like nobody comes anywhere close to touching him. And it's like nobody's blocking him either, but it's just like, what? And in the past, I don't know. He, he doesn't go to camps. He doesn't do anything. He just, he's, his last name is Manning. So he had the red carpet rolled out for him. It's hilarious. Thanks. Dave Tepper's yeah, um, in his pants somewhere right now. They're, they're yeah. going to sign. They're going to sign another. This is how the Alcyon is going to play out. Um, we're not going to get any of the coaches we want. Some name out of nowhere is going to appear. They're going to sign a Teddy Bridgewater type quarterback. Someone like uh, shit. Who who is? You know what they're going to do? They're going to trade for fucking Derek Carr as a veteran. You're so we're we're gonna have to have like a cleansing of rule because this is all rule decisions that we're still 100%. gonna be operating on for the foreseeable future. We just have to they, cleanse ourselves of of that and just yeah. clean slate, new the, coach. That's the tough not ass football team is gone. The brand is gone. It's it's over. That's it. It's in Lincoln, Nebraska, right now, shucking some corn. So we're so we're gonna trade for Derek Carr, thinking that that that's our bridge QB for to to keep to give us a chance to make the playoffs next year to go nine and eight that's what we're going to do when Matt Rule shows shows up in Lincoln like full Brian Kelly like like acts like he's from Nebraska and knows about the history and this and that starts showing clips it's like him walking out of a cornfield like redoing like some field of dream shit I think he's going to Auburn I would pay to see Matt Rule in the SEC I would pay for that especially for Saban to kick his shit in each year oh god I would say the joy I get out of watching Jameis workout videos <laughs> it's gonna be the same joy I get out of Matt Rule college press conferences instead of Derek Carr I almost said Jameis was gonna be our next quarterback I almost did because I'm gonna get did, that he, same he, did he only get a one-year deal I think so yeah that was who I almost said that we were gonna sign him as a bridge but I, I do love Jameis. I like Jameis as a person. He's just a mediocre quarterback. He's as mediocre as mediocre can get for an NFL quarterback, though. He just oh closes his eyes. Spinal. He just closes his eyes and heaves it. He said, oh, shit, Michael Thomas is over there running a slant somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> now the, he's got the most – so 30, 30, is, is, 30 30 is impressive, though. Like, the fact that you can even do that. He's got like the fifth most yards in a season, but like the most interceptions in a year, like in the same year, I think. It, that's while throwing thirty stat. touchdowns. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's crazy stuff. With with terrible eyesight, did not know that he needed LASIK. Didn't wear contacts or glasses. God, the Jameis thirty for thirty is going to go hard. I was going to say the documentary that's going to come out on him, the biopic. I mean, it's. A football life, Jameis Winston. <laughs> <laughs> Just a mantra of his workout videos. <laughs> I, golly, those, those are those are great. Every off season, I look forward to them. You said we tough. I said we tough. <laughs> hey, he, won the, he won the next, national championship. Next year, after he's healthy from his back surgery, he's just going to have um, some assistant 
Some so one of his trainers just beating the shit out of him with a tackle dummy in his backyard, just absolutely beating the shit out of him. Oh man. But yeah. Well, it's been a great day, I'll say that. Um as as pessimistic as some of this talk is, we're all very happy. Yeah. We're just very jaded. Hey, yeah, thir- 13 and four. PJ Walker's undefeated at quarterback. We got the LA Rams with their terrible offensive line. We're going out there, out there to uh, LA. Too bad our fan base has no reason to travel right now because it seems like every away fans get in there pretty about as easy as they do to the Bank of America Stadium. God, that would be the most Panthers thing ever to come out. And beat. 13 and four. 13 and four. We're going to beat Tom Brady the next week. And then, hey, NFC South champs. Maybe we got PJ. something in Jacob Eason. Because PJ yeah, goes be our on backup a, quarterback this year. PJ I mean, goes you know, on a, a three-game run, and people are crowning him the next. Long. Like the Kyle Allen experience. Hey, you everybody, everybody, thought Kyle, everybody thought Kyle Allen was going to be our next quarterback. Feels like 03. <laughs> the cardiac cats are back. Only thing missing is a Bojangles commercial. Matt, I don't think – did you rank those quarterbacks? Not to get us back off topic, but – no, I, I didn't, did, and did I also didn't mention anything about head coaching candidates. Uh, Caleb Williams, Bryce Young. God dang it. I like Stroud, but, man, this is tough. Um, yours, Stroud. But I'm okay. very high on uh, – yeah, I, I think that's how I got it. I, I mean, I'm high at all. I mean, you could talk about four potential number one overall picks. Yep. I mean, in all fairness, if they were in different classes. But, yeah, that's probably where I'd go. I mean, Caleb Williams just making some hell of a throw, hell of a throws uh, this weekend. I like that 40-yard 40, 40 one on a, on a run, just like that. Uh, head coaching candidates' names I would expect to be linked. Obviously, Sean Payton's going to be at the top of that list, and you're probably looking at Byron Leftwich, uh, unfortunately, Dan Quinn, uh, Ken Dorsey, Ben Johnson, uh Maybe Kevin Moore, but they might try to go for experience on this one. Um, the offensive coordinator for Seattle, uh, I can't remember his last name, it might be Steve Waldron. That's probably a good good starting point. Eric Bienemy, I mean, that name gets thrown around left and right, even though there's a lot of negative stuff about him now coming out, especially from LaShawn McCoy. Uh, who is the Eagles offensive coordinator these days? Uh, Stitchin, something. His name's Stitchin. His last name's Stitchin. Yeah, uh, I mean, they've it's hard to knock what they've done this year. D'Amico Ryans, if they want to go defense, I'd be meh, him. Flores, that's kind of where we're at. I think that's probably – it gets you a good group of eight, and they can whittle it down from there. But I think Sean Payton, they're going to put all their eggs in that basket. See where it goes. Good news is Panthers have a head start on it, so if they want to reach out to them, they, they can start interviews, I think – What's that week? Twelve. What are the rules? What are the rules on that? Yeah, twelve. Is that 12? I mean, I'm sure he's pretty much but, open to be able to be interviewed. We have to. I know we have to request to request it. From- yeah. So I don't know if he still has to go through the process, but you know, there's back channels and everything. I mean, they can reach out to his agent. I'm sure that's fair game. I mean, he's technically under contract, but you know, I don't. I don't really know how all that's going to shake out. If you, if you're Tepper, you can get in a room with Sean Payton and not have anybody know about it. A hundred percent. He did a whole investigation on uh, had a, a PI. Uh, Bullshit. Get with uh, was it uh, Deshaun? He had no PI. He just wanted to win damn football games. 
Speaking of, did you guys see that sideline thing with the Giants? Yeah, what the hell was that? Doing tweets. What? One of them, the, the one that went viral was like, oh, the Giants um, getting getting a rub down. The, the, yeah. the, the DW four. Yeah, one of the one of the tweets that went viral was uh, Deshaun Watson has requested a trade to the Giants effective <laughs> immediately. <laughs> and, oh God. Kind of keep that well. That'll take the headlines here soon. He can, I think he return. He can return to the facilities this week, so maybe they'll have a masseuse waiting for him when he gets there to welcome him in. What a shitbag human being! Oof. Well, any closing thoughts for you in this one? Fuck Matt Rule. <laughs> yeah, fuck Matt Rule. I mean, yeah, I'm just. Excited. At least he can take his son to Hornets basketball game now. I, it's it's what they do to me all the time. Uh, I have so much hope, so much optimism, and I'm going to have all this optimism until this throughout this whole process. And they're probably going to disappoint me with who they hire. So, I'm just here for a wild card run, you know. Well, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, just not gonna happen. Uh, it's the most Panthers thing ever. PJ Walker, not even PJ. PJ keeps the keeps the ship from sinking. Baker comes back, pulls something out of his ass, and guess what? The Panthers finish nine and eight this year, and we're picking sixteenth. Sam Darnold, Super Bowl MVP. I would fucking. <laughs> what if it I'm was? Not- <laughs> I'm not living in this hypothetical world, but if Sam Darnold just came back, got put a starter, McAdoo just strikes gold and, and just fucks us out of draft picks. That rock star, <laughs> rock star OC higher than McAdoo. Yeah, Kevin O'Connell's name getting thrown around, the guys getting fucking interviews and getting a head coaching job, but yet we're going to ask him if he wants to be our offensive coordinator. We missed out on some great <laughs> – do you want to leave the Rams? I know you just won a, a a Super Bowl, but you can come over here and coach this shitty offense. <laughs> Matt Rule, are you about to brand culture? We, we missed some great yeah, yeah, yeah. opportunities with with uh, McAdoo not being the interim. I will say that. Oh God! Every time they cut to him up in the booth with his, he's long- just like <laughs> throwing his hands up, marking something on his pad. I always wonder what he's marking on his pad. Well, don't come back to that one. He's putting, he's putting did not want Baker <laughs> at number six. And they pulled his draft rankings and he had him number six at position. It's like, see, I, it's not me. I didn't, I didn't trade for this guy. This wasn't who I wanted. I had him ranked sixth. God, I would love to be the exit interviews. Oh, no, yeah. I'm sure Tepper probably gave him a – fucking tug on the way out with letting him talk to the players this morning. But I did think it was funny that the whole uh, McAdoo rule having communication issues came out in the last couple of days too. He's just like, Hey, um, sorry. I don't know. He's a head coach. Like that's, that's all you got to say, Ben. Yeah. He's, he's a head coach. Well, rule just burns bridges with, people who know more than he does about football. It'd be an all-time great if 
Joe Brady ends up back here next year. I I, I can't it, just the troll of that. I don't know why I want that so badly, but I do. Because Joe Brady wasn't the problem. Joe Brady. Joe Brady. The offense actually looked semi competent under Joe Brady at times. Innovative. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just had a coach that was bound to determine that they wanted to run the ball 30 times a game. With no offensive line. Yep. And for part of it, no CMC. Yeah. Joe Brady was hanging with the Super Bowl champion. Yeah. Hey, I mean, Teddy had a full offseason to learn the playbook. Now these other guys had that. But Cam Newton could pick it up in two weeks. What a bum. What a bum. What a fucking bum. Shot arm. Told you what the quarterback. That's why Rule didn't like him. I don't I don't know why I don't think he's good. I just can't put my finger on it. It's just his attitude, man. I just it's, it's the not, it's the it's the hats. I mean just, shit, if we was gonna keep losing, they gotta keep rule around here. I mean, we're paying him anyways. <sighs> I did have someone pose me a hypothetical yesterday afternoon, um, after the game or evening after the game. Pick an option. I know we've already gotten our answer, but pick an option. You make the change interim and you go, you win, you somehow squeak out six or seven wins and screw up your draft pick because the culture does actually change, which I mean, could happen. Probably not going to happen, but it could happen. Or rule stays all year. And you, you go one, you just keep losing. You go one, two, maybe three wins. We've got our answer, but what would you have said yesterday? Not fire. So here's I, I think as long as Ben McAdoo is and Baker Mayfield on the like as long as Ben McAdoo is calling the plays, Baker Mayfield's on the field. I don't see any way we are going to be competitive on the offensive side of the ball to get to six or seven wins with our schedule. I cannot find a win on our schedule. Atlanta's playing really well. You got them twice. You're not beating Tampa Bay a single time. Um, I think the Saints will be better the next time we play them in the Dome. They'll probably beat us. You're not beating the Bengals. You're not beating the Rams this weekend, even with their offense the way it is. They're going to beat us. Uh I don't think you're beating Detroit. That's the one if. So. we I mean, we might beat Detroit. Maybe. Because their defense is so bad. I'll say even in the losing, say say we lose out the rest of the year, I think that going with Wilkes was the right decision, obviously. But I think mainly it has nothing to do with the wins and losses. You have a guy who, I mean, first few minutes on the job, he fires Phil Snow. I didn't. We didn't even talk about that. God, <laughs> like, or it should have been earlier in the podcast because I'm sure if anybody's listening at this point, I don't. <laughs> you're you just, a good friend. He, um, so he, yeah, he. I mean, he walked in there and basically just like get the fuck out, like bro. Steve bye, Wilkes, bye, you're gone. Steve Wilkes walks in there. And I'm sorry, this is going to get PG. Uh, you know, rated R, but. Steve Wilkes just walks in there, like slams his dick on the table, and just like get the <laughs> fuck out of my office. <laughs> you and old the funny, bastard! Yeah, it's, it's like Rule tried to drive every everybody out that was 
you know, hear from Rivera and, and, and everything that was a holdovers and, and he was part of the previous regime. And then Steve Wilkes, who has ties to Ron Rivera, who comes back in here and is just like, y'all get the fuck out of here. Like, Dude, that made me respect Steve Wilkes so much. Like, because, like, I mean, when it first came out, I was like, oh, that had to be like, they're a package deal. So, you know, Snow was probably like, I'm out too. But to know that Steve Wilkes made that call, he went in there and he fired, he fired <laughs> Bill Snow. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Fuck yeah. You're fucking A plus in my book. But it's it's not only about that, but but building a little bit of a culture. I mean, obviously Wilkes is just like, I've had enough of this shit. Like, tired of watching this. You don't know what you're doing. You're dropping your best pass rusher into coverage. No, I'm sick of it. So, I mean, somebody's got to at least be able to relate these guys. And I mean, I think CJ talked about how big having Wilkes around was for him. I, I think that that's going to be good to keep the locker room together. He's the guy for it. I mean, they could have easily went with McAdoo if they just wanted to be, you know, throwing shit against the wall and try to accumulate the most losses. So I, I think at least Wilkes can can build something in the meantime. And, you know, maybe the season isn't, you know, a, a, a four-win season. Maybe it's a six- or seven-win season, but – I mean, you got to have something heading in the right direction to, Let's to not change, get crazy. change the attitude. No, yeah, but Let's not get crazy. But but the, but the change change the attitude and, and and get this losing bullshit out of here. I, I think Let's, it's it, it's not as bad as people want to make it seem. It's literally just like we said. It's about fixing the offense and finding the quarterback position. You cannot win in this league without a quarterback. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, Dorsey was on the same staff, Wilkes. So yeah, yep. He was uh, a quarterback, quarterback's coach. Dorsey. I'm hitching my wagon to him. That's what I want. Offense. Slinging yep. the rock. I, I, Dorsey is my number one. It's aside from Peyton, but I also don't know how smart it is to give up those assets for a coach. So. Yeah. But I mean, again, I, I think there's a, a chance, you know, that the Saints could be played hardball with, but that's going to be up to Sean Payton. How bad does he want to come here? How good's the deal? If he's like, fuck you guys, I'm going to do this anyway next year. You know, I'm going to go where I want to go. It'd have to be a deal that made him the highest paid coach in the NFL, I think. First, Which off. he deserves, I think. I mean, he's going to make $20 million a year. What would you give, realistically? It doesn't matter. It's contract money. contract aside, contract no 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 not that Con- contract aside. Compensation as, compensation to the Saints for it to you happen t- this year. You ain't touching this year's first. No, um, no. I would. I give... don't know, dude. I got it. You got. I got a tough. It's a tough time to give up two first, but it's going to cost at least two first. I would give. I would give the 2024 and 2025 first round picks. All right, I hope to God this, that you're good. Listen to this scenario. You trade CMC to the Buffalo Bills for their first. Yeah. And you send Brian Burns and that first rounder for Sean Payton. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, that, I'll do that. That's two firsts, essentially. What was the second trade? Trade CMC to the Buffalo Bills for their first. That's a late first. 
and you send Brian Burns and that first for Sean Payton. Dude, I just have a tough problem, tough time sending anything to that fucking franchise. Like, look, dude, who if, you go, if, if you go play for them, like, dude, you're done. Like, Ted Ginn, done. AJ Klein, done. Like, it, it it's tough. I'm with you. And I, you know how much I hate Sean Payton. Yeah, I mean, you know, but, the dude's stealing prescription drugs out of the cabinets and all this mess, dude, and he's a scumbag. And, you know, I want to win, bro. I want to. So do I. You're going to sell your soul to the devil? I guess we're lining up. I still think think it's Dorsey for me, man. It's just, it just all points back to just go after Dorsey. Yeah, but then we're in a situation here and it it is Sean Payton and Ken Dorsey wants to come back here and they go with Payton and it doesn't work out. Dorsey goes somewhere. That's the Matt Rule uh, butterfly effect right there. Okay. Yeah. I think (laughs) you guys have talked me out of it. Dorsey. I'm going to write it down on my little notepad. Dorsey, <laughs> Dorsey, no matter what. what. Dorsey, no matter what. God, draft day, an underrated movie. It is. Sonny Dorsey, Jr. Dorsey, no matter what. Sonny Weaver. And then let Dorsey pick a quarterback. Man, let's ride. Panther, Panther country. Let's ride. <laughs> <laughs> One Carolina. Shit. Tell me, can we just like send the Rock Hill site to New Orleans oh as part, God, of, a part of that deal? It was like a 60 yard touchdown, 48 yards. Sorry. Gosh. All right. Let's, let's wrap this up. We've, yeah. we've ranted. We've gone on. Matt Rules no longer coached the Carolina Panthers. All is well, at least for today. Hey, hell of a week, though. Uh, end zones were black on Sunday. Uh, Matt Rule's fired on Monday. Cannot wait to hear what Steve Wilkes has to say tomorrow on Tuesday because, hell, this week, it's – damn it. It's been fantastic to be a Panthers fan. Minus uh, the, the ass-whipping yesterday and the fact that we're playing our third-string quarterback, you know, who odds are is not even on the fucking roster if Sam Darnold doesn't get hurt, Matt Corral doesn't get hurt. I wonder so. how open Steve Wilkes is going to be tomorrow. Oh, I hope he's just fantastic. I hope they ask him why he fired Phil, and he's just like, yeah, scheme sucked. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope he points at Evan Cooper. So, all right. Well, we'll be back uh, (laughs) next week because, man, things got interesting real quick. At least we got something to to look forward to. Hey, if – if it's any consolation, at least we can see how the scheme is any different on Sunday, even with P.J. Walker back there. Matt, hey, Christian McCaffrey might run the ball 35 times come Sunday. Yeah, but uh, football season coaching for, is over for me, so I'll be more available. So more pods coming. Yep. We're back. Wes, anything you want to add? Fuck that rule. That's that's the theme of the night, boys. Keep fucking pounding. Keep pounding.